Hi, this is Ray Park. I play Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon Podcast. Check it out, listen, make sure the force is strong. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. This is Vic Ruggiero from the Slackers, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 137. I'm your host, Russ Jedi J, the Jedi Ross. Please excuse me while I flick my back. I want you to take the Frankenstein shit, the deer shit, the green monster, the bling, and the bling bling, and I want you to roll it all into one joint. No one's ever been brave enough to try that. One man is. Roll it. Welcome back, kids. It's good to have you here in the L5J studios. It's a beautiful, balmy minus 18 degrees here in Clarkson, Ontario, Canada, February 19th, 2015. Got a wind chill factor of minus fuck off, it's fucking cold, stay the fuck inside out there. So that's what I'm doing, I'm staying the fuck inside and chatting with you fine folks. So, welcome back, thanks for coming back, hope you enjoyed last week's episode with the fine Mr. Dirk Manning. Uh, also, if you missed it, I would just like to let you know that I had the privilege of guest hosting our good friends Drunk on Comics podcast last week. Got to sit down with Derek. Matt and Kevin are off doing family-type duty stuff. And Tony decided that uh, he'd make a little trip on down there, get himself some Mardi Gras. So uh, he adorned himself with beads and booze and uh, went and had a good time. Tony, I'm glad you made it home safe. It looked like you had a hell of an adventure down there from the pictures that I saw. But thank you, Derek, for enlisting my help to uh, attend with you and co-host your fine show. We had a good time. Talked a lot about comic books and stuff, uh, but we mixed a lot of Star Wars in there, which was fun for me because uh, Star Wars number two came out last week, as well as Darth Vader number one. Both uh, overall excellent books, but if you want to hear my full-on review of that shit, go check out the last episode of Drunk on Comics. Drunk on Comics, who are also sponsor of Mota City Comic Con. Uh, we were there last year, uh, 
got to have press for that event. It was a wonderful good time. Met lots of super cool people. Can't wait to go back this year as, yes, we shall be attending again. And let me tell you something. The guest list this year is just off the hook. Not only is it twice as big, but it's twice as famous. Got some crazy shit going on. Got Lou Ferrigno. We got the Hulk hanging out. Hulk! Smash! Linda Blair, Dean Kane, Robert Englund. Oh, I'm really excited about that one. Freddy Krueger himself. Also on the Star Wars side of things, Mr. Jeremy Bullock. That's right, Boba Fett. I've met Mr. Bullock, and he's a really, really nice dude. Always willing to share a story. So get out there and check him out. A lot of Walking Dead is going to be going on. Lawrence Gillard Jr., uh, who else is attending from The Walking Dead? Steven Yun, Glenn himself, is going to be there. I believe uh, Emily Kinney, Beth, even, will be there. Also, E. Roger Mitchell will be there, who I had the chance to speak with at the GTA Comic-Con here in Toronto last year. Super nice guy. Uh, he did his time as one of the governor's minions. Also told a few stories about being on set with Will Ferrell for Anchorman 2. That's a dream come true. Yo, it's the Mac Attack. What up? Uh, also, Lori Petty, Tank Girl, yo. Robert Patrick, the Terminator. Ralph Macchio, the Karate Kid. Oh my god, John Wesley Shipp, the original Flash. Uh, now Daddy Flash, uh, the new Flash for CW. John Schneider, Jonathan Kent, Duke Boy himself. Katie Segal, if you like to get your Sons of Anarchy on, you know. Laura Vandervert, record, Vandervertenhurten, Laura Vandervert will be there. Supergirl, Smallville's Supergirl. Good old Canadian girl. It's nice to have that Canadian representation. Also, Ian Ziering, if you like to pull out your old school 90210 photos and have your Tiger Beat magazines all signed up by Steve, there's your chance. Uh, a whole lot more are going to be there. It's going to be an insane year at Motor City. If you'd like more information on what's going on with the event, please go to MotorCityComicCon.com. It's good times. There's a link to it there on an elegant weapon. There's links to it on Junk on Comics all over the damn place. Can't wait to go. It's gonna be good times. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. I finally caught up on my Star Wars Rebels. Let's get cartoon. It's growing on me steadily. It's very different. It's something very new to have to get used to, which is strange because we're, we're in uncharted territory here. The Clone Wars was something familiar that came out of prequels that were, even though new, had familiar characters. We knew these characters and just had to watch them grow a little more from the past, if that makes any timey-wimey wobbly sense. But this is a whole new unexplored era in the Star Wars universe, especially with everything canon having become legend pretty much. Not that it ever was canon, but we are not going to get into that debate. You know what I mean? Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Star Wars, the Clone Wars, I've been catching up on, like I was just saying. It's uh, it's new. It's new characters who are growing on me. You got to get used to them at first just because they come out of nowhere. Like, sure, Ahsoka came out of nowhere, but still, she had the, the Anakin padding. You know, she had that cast of characters surrounding her that we were familiar with. This is entirely new. We didn't know what to expect in any way. 
I'm glad that it's a nice transition. They're not just ignoring the past in any way. A couple episodes ago, in fact, when Ezra and Kanan set all those dark monster creatures onto the Inquisitor, I'm pretty sure I saw when they were walking to that old school abandoned base that there was an old Clone Wars carrier ship for the clones uh, that was kind of wrecked in the corner. Little things like that. It's always fun to see, even if it's a tiny visual connection to the past. Some of us miss the past. Uh, you know, I was I was upset losing out on my Jedi constantness. I was, uh, I'm a big apologist for the prequels. If you listen to this show at all, you, you know that. Of course, they're not the greatest thing in the world, but there is some genius shit in there. And a lot of that genius shit I won't get to see again, like an army of Jedi all igniting their lightsabers at once. That's not going to happen anymore. But what I am unexpectedly happy with is the mystery of the Jedi being reinstated the way it is. The way that uh, in a short 15 years between, you know, these stories that we're used to, that it's becoming mystical again. It's becoming legend again. And people whispering of the Jedi, which is which is always fun. I forgot how much fun that was in the beginning when you see A New Hope and you hear about the mystery of the Clone Wars. And that made us want to see it forever, right? We finally got to. And I finally got to see my Jedi. So all I can hope for is in the future, as I'm sure will happen, they'll go back to the Clone Wars era in some way or maybe earlier. I mean, there's there's many, many years of restructuring to do now that we don't even know anything about the Jedi. The entire Dawn of the Jedi series, not canon anymore. So, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a whole different ball game from here on in, kids. But I like these guys. Um, the show itself, there's some really good quality there. First thing, let, let me touch on the positives of what I like about Rebels, and that is the cast. First of all, the cast is great. They're just killing it. Freddie Prince Jr. is doing a really fine job. Vanessa Marshall, Steve Bloom, who, you know, legendary unto himself. Taylor Gregg, newcomer to the scene, and I believe it's pronounced Taya Sikar. I hope I'm saying that right. Tia, Taya. Taya Tamera, Tamera Tamara, Taya, 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 Taya. Ah, we're calling the whole thing off here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so anyways, the cast is really, really good. They're doing a bang-up job. If you'd like to kind of get an inside look at the cast, they recently appeared on Talkin' Tunes, which is a podcast by Rob Paulson, voiceover legend, the voice of Pinky, Yakko, Donatello, Raphael, many, 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 many cool uh, projects he's been involved with. So if you want to hear that, check that out because it's super cool. It's on iTunes and all that kind of good stuff. But the cast is kick-ass. The animation I'm not feeling as much as I did as the Clone Wars. I like the style of it. I also really enjoy the makeup of the background characters, especially the Empire. They're bringing a very, very 70s feel to it. Lots of sideburns and mustaches. And that's really cool that they're, they're you know, really going for that close uh, a detailed effect to how things originally were back in the day. I like that they're going back to the original look of the original trilogy, but there is a little something lacking. I understand that it's a different era. Maybe they are trying to really exhibit the difference in in maybe Jedi training, lightsaber training. The lightsaber battles aren't half as good, the duels, as the Clone Wars, but that kind of makes sense because we have a half-trained kind of Sith apprentice in the Inquisitor. We have a Padawan who's basically had to grow up and train himself. Even recently, the Inquisitor comments on that he has been practicing. Kanan thanks him for noticing. And 
I understand that, but I'm gonna miss the 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 crazy battles, the grievous battles, the the Obi Wan type lightsaber wielding from the Clone Wars. That that's what gets me off. But still, well done. The stories are really making up for it. They brought Tarkin in pretty early. There's a, there's a wide range of the bad guys there. I mean, you've got the uh, the Commander, you've got the Inquisitor, you've now got Tarkin. You got you got a nice little nest of baddies who are chasing our goodies, so that's always good fun. It's fun to watch Ezra and Kanan grow together and learn to train together. It's a neat look at things of trying to keep the past alive. found that episode really interesting when they went to the temple, and they found that temple, the, the Jedi temple. And Ezra went, and he had his quest, and uh, he got a hold of himself a lightsaber crystal and all that good stuff. But what was kind of weird is when they went into the temple and you saw those two Jedi that were sitting there and they were in a meditative state, almost like they'd turned to stone. And Kanan comments on the fact that there are Jedi waiting for their Padawan who never returned. Really cool idea. Really cool visual. Really cool reach into the past of how mystical and dedicated the Jedi could be. Except why the hell would they do that? For real. Like, would they really? Uh-oh, my Padawan didn't make it. I guess I'm just going to sit here for the next uh, millennia and never move, never do anything again. Is that because they felt shame that they sat there? Is that because they felt like they waited, they just had to keep waiting? Like, how long do you give a Padawan, you know? Even Kanan was getting a little worried about how long it was taking Ezra. So that little, that part kind of bugged me. There wasn't a lot of sense behind that. I don't see a Jedi wasting his existence waiting for a Padawan who who failed the trials. And why would Jedi have trials that would kill them? I didn't understand that point. If a Jedi isn't successful and isn't able to become a Jedi, say a Force candidate, they're not strong enough with the Force, they're not disciplined, they're too old, what have you, shouldn't they just get sent on their merry way? Shouldn't it just be kind of like, uh, you know, yeah, I don't think you're really cut out for this. You should go try and do an, uh, being a smuggler. Yeah, go try smuggling or some kind of thing. Because if I don't understand why they would put them forth to a trial that would kill them when they could easily determine whether or not they're worthy of being a Jedi before they got to the point where they were dead. So I'm sorry for those, Padawan. Cool visuals still didn't make a lot of sense to me. But a neat idea. It was cool to see how... It was very reminiscent, of course, in Jedi when Luke had to go through that cave and face Vader and his own fears when Ezra had to go into the cave and face his own fears versus the Inquisitor and uh, hallucinations of his master and fellow shipmates. That was a very neat throwback. So I do like things are more mystical. It is a very more Yoda, Jedi, Dagobah type approach to the Force. And things are progressing all right. So we're getting used to it. It's happening. It's, it's, I know it's a little scary. New things are scary. Change is scary. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of new doors that have been opened for a lot of new Star Wars stories. So I'm going to stick with it. I think it's going to be very, very exciting. Uh, They really are taking it back. I mean, if you notice, the word Sith has not even been mentioned on this show. As it was never mentioned in the original trilogy. The word Sith was not known of until it was written down. So... Pertaining to that, they're really kind of really pushing away. They're trying to, they're trying to make you forget almost, and 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 at the same time forget what they've been doing for ten years. Yet remember what was done before. But a lot of these kids, they grew up on the Clone Wars. I could see little kids who are maybe now nine or ten who grew up watching the Clone Wars, being quite confused by this cartoon, 
and having to have mommy and daddy sit them down and do their initial de-virginization of the Star Wars watch. So I bet you a lot of kids, because of all this, might actually, in fact, now that I think about it, a lot more kids might get viewings of the movies just to be able to understand because we must think of the children. Think of the children. Hey, that chopper's an asshole, eh? What a douchebag. I remember seeing like little clips and vignettes of him about how he's a grumpy little droid put together by parts that have, you know... Just been around for a long time. He's aged and experienced, but he ain't just grumpy. That dude's an asshole. Did you see him push that other droid like right off the ship? Like, little douchebag. Douchebag of a droid right there. <laughs> the music. The music is just astounding. I'm kind of surprised that they so went with the flat out themes of the original trilogies that they're actually using the Imperial March. I guess it's the Empire, so you can. I always consider that more Vader's theme. But to be using the main theme, I guess, is the hero's theme, but I always thought it was kind of more Luke's theme. But uh, they're flat out just using the old themes. But even the in-between music, the background music, the action music, is it's beautiful. It's a, it's a, it's a little more grandeur than Clone Wars, which is kind of weird because Clone Wars was more of a grand time, but I think they were trying to give a more constant, tense warlike effect with this with the soundtrack uh, a more in its time more uh multi-planet type sound i don't know what i'm trying to say with that like a multicultural kind of there was a lot more elements of kind of native music drums and pipes and whistles where now that we're just flat on to orchestral beauty orchestral awesomeness very in the vein of mr john williams and uh that's uh kevin kiners is doing the music for star wars he's doing a bang up job and that's one of my favorite things of rebels is i think he's doing an absolutely amazing job on the music uh you know pop on youtube there and just check out the theme song and just give it a few minutes and just listen to it yourself with just the music i think you will enjoy I think that's all that uh, had come to mind for me about the Clone Wars, but I had a few thoughts on Episode 7, if you don't mind me sharing them with you. If you did mind, I don't understand why you'd be listening to this fucking podcast, me sitting here enjoying my ganja doobies, my chocolate milk, ah, slurpy slurpy, and such. So yeah, um, Episode 7, a uh, huge potential spoiler. I got a bad feeling about this. Has hit the internet. Something we all kind of figured wouldn't be a big surprise is Han Solo dying in episode seven. Uh, hard enough probably to get Harrison Ford to come back and do this at all in the first case, but getting him to sign on for another three movies, I never actually saw that happening anyways. JJ has talked about, and Mark Hamill has pretty much spoiled how this is pretty much a setup for the new generation anyway, so maybe we'll get to see Luke and Lynn and the other two, but I, I, you know, I won't be surprised if we don't see them in any. But Han, Han is definitely one. I mean, it's general knowledge Harrison Ford wanted to kill him in the first one way back in the day anyways, or maybe it was Empire, but whatever it is, he wanted to kill off Han Solo, so maybe he's finally getting his wish. Which would be very cool because I see it maybe going out in an Obi-Wan type way and that kind of a sacrifice that he might give to let the other kids have to get away from the Empire for whatever reason. Han sacrifices himself in some noble heroic manner. 
but it's going to have to be heroic as hell uh, if fans are going to accept the death of Han Solo. But really, did you all expect Han Solo to be traveling the galaxy smuggling spice at 100 years old? Come on, people. Let's get with it here. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. So I don't know, we've been hearing wacky rumors and kind of old rehash rumors because it's known that J.J. has been cracking down on the rumor mill. He's even trying to push the date of the movie up, which I think would be cool anyways because Star Wars Not in the Summer is just a whacked out idea. Okay, uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna go back to Clone Wars. Sorry, I keep calling it Clone Wars, but it's the Rebels. I'm gonna go back to one thing quick, and that is Ezra's lightsaber, because I had wanted to touch on that. Uh, that's another thing that also shows a lack of training, is the fact that he would be allowed to make an unelegant weapon. Why he would be able to make an uncivilized weapon. I don't think any Jedi Master in the past, during the actual days of the Jedi Order, would have been okay with their Padawan building an added-on blaster attachment to their lightsaber. So uncivilized. I think that kind of defeats the purpose in their eyes. You know, as an untrained warrior, it's great for Ezra. It's a cool idea. It's a super cool toy as well, actually. But I don't think it would have happened back then. So this is an example of how things can be played with and changed because it's all a mystery without the order there is no order i don't like no order but uh, i'm holding on we're gonna get through that oh what else about episode seven speaking of lightsabers like i was just speaking of is oh yeah also i don't get what the two attachment with kanan's lightsaber what the hell is that i've never heard of that before is that to avoid other people being able to use his lightsaber because it's a double two attachment does that make it easier to hide because it wouldn't function i don't get the point of putting the emitter off if you're taking the emitter off the hilt what is the point of that it's I'd like to know, and uh, it'd be cool if it was actually explained somewhere, but maybe someday in some sort of character reference or character guide, we may actually have that explained to us. We can hope. We can hope. Speaking of lightsabers, speaking of lightsabers, uh, there was a rumor and news out that, uh, it's not really a rumor, it probably is factual, because who cares about this as a rumor, but Jonathan Ivey, who is Apple's chief designer, apparently was at a party one night with JJ, and JJ may have taken the advice from him that if he had a chance to redesign the lightsabers for episode 7, he would make them much more clunky, uneven, unbalanced, rickety, you know, and uh, as evident in the cross-saber that we've seen from the Force Awakens trailer, it looks like they've pretty much gone that way. But also, that could be an Inquisitor. Uh, you know, Kylo Ren, if he's not a Darth, he may not be a full Sith. These are half-trained bastards. We, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a bunch of half-trained Padawans. Even Luke. Even Luke didn't have, you know, what he would have benefited from from an app, uh, you know, appropriate growing up in the Order. So that's what we're dealing with. And it's cool to take those things for effect. So we'll see how those lightsabers look crackling around because I'm, I'm expecting they keep Luke's to be fairly close to how Luke's used to if he has his lightsaber from Jedi, but he may not even have it. So that's another one of those things where we're just going to have to wait and see. You know, I should sometimes just uh, call this podcast wait and see at least a segment, but the whole thing would be one giant segment. We'll wait and see. Also in Star Wars news, in fact, Lego Star Wars news. I don't know if you've all seen it, but Lego is coming out with a brand new TIE fighter, and it's mega. 1,685 pieces, and it looks beautiful. Very sleek black, very nice construction. So for all you Lego freaks out there, specifically you 
Star Wars Lego freaks out there, I think you're really, really going to enjoy spending hours and upon hours putting together your brand new TIE fighter. Okay, that was the Star Wars thoughts of the week. Let's talk a little bit of TV. The Flash, everybody's favorite show, The Flash, is on. It's not my favorite show, my favorite's Gotham, but I love The Flash as well as everybody does. It's fun how everybody has a pick of all these wonderful new shows that are coming out. Everybody's got their favorite, but nobody minds everybody else's favorite because it's not like a competitive thing like all those DC Marvel assholes out there. It's just a bunch of DC kids loving their DC TV shows, loving that everybody has their own favorite, and it's okay to have their favorite few things cool happened in the flash this is unfortunately the last episode of the flash that we will have for a month it's very sad but they ended it on a bang we finally got to see the good professor wells face in the suit a complete absolute revealing and him admitting openly verbally that he is in fact the reverse flash and we got to see gorilla grod dear god not god Really cool, man. Are they going nuts with this show? They're just going right to right right out to the edges. I, I was wondering how they would handle the Flash's rogue gallery because it's quite a it's quite a colorful rogue gallery as far as fantasy and fiction. And to put that on screen, I mean you're talking about a giant telepathic gorilla. Which so far looks like they're pulling off pretty damn well. I'm wondering what's gonna happen to General Wade Eiling there. But I'm, I really hope he stays on the show because it's super cool to see Clancy Brown in that role. I mean, he has been part of the DC staple for, I guess you could say decades now, technically, being the voice of Lex Luthor from The Adventures of Superman back in the day. He's been Lex Luthor for years. Very accomplished voice actor. The Kurgan, of course. Um, recently recast uh dave bautista apparently is gonna play that role but uh, i can't even get into the highlander because that's there's just no news and that makes me really really want news and if there's no news i can't even think about it because i don't really want news and it'll totally mess me up if i got some highlander news soon i mean i totally given up that they were even gonna make this movie and apparently they are so i think it'd be cool if i got some news but We'll have to wait and uh, see what's going on there. But anyways, yes, Lex Luthor voice, Clancy Brown. It's really cool. And DC is good for this. But now now something interesting has happened within the DC and Marvel universes. Fox has got a piece of both. One thing Marvel's missing out on here. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Because Marina Bakarin, who plays Dr. Leslie Tompkins on Gotham has joined the cast of Deadpool. Simultaneously shall she be portraying a Marvel and DC character. Oh, ooh, ooh, Fox, what are you doing? You're just, you're just putting flames on the fire, I'm telling you. It's uh, putting flames on the fire. <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? You'd have to be Firestorm for that shit. But flaming the fire, flaming the flames, fanning the flames, fanning. Let's go with fanning. Dakota fanning? I don't know. Fanning the flames of the entire fire because Fox is just like, fuck you. But I don't care if Fox is fuck you on this one because I think Marina is amazing. I think she's absolutely gorgeous. She's stunning. She's sultry. She's fun. She's cute. She's sexy. She's beautiful. She can act. I think she's fantastic. And uh, I think she deserves to be on that uh, on that film level, uh, you know. And we're still we're pulling out a Firefly too. So the more we can pull out a Firefly, I know all you Whedonites out there love your Firefly.
Uh, speaking of Gotham, uh, it was was a good episode last week. It was fun to see. It was fun to see Barbara Gordon return in a in a very shammy shimmy way. She almost did the walk of shame back into her own apartment when she ran into Catwoman and Ivy. Catwoman, I'm calling a thirteen year old girl Catwoman. That's hilarious, but uh, it was good times. Really, really, really enjoyed the scene of Bruce when he went to <laughs> the Wayne board meeting and kind of laid down some shit. That was very cool. That was a fun thing to see. That show is just nothing but fun. That's my favorite show because of the intricacies of how everything works. But I understand everybody is just so digging on The Flash. I mean, Arrow was huge, and Arrow is a beautiful show, but The Flash is just, it, it's doing what DC does best. And what DC does best is your your metagods. You know, DC is not about, well, they are, I mean, in a certain way, but they are not entirely as about the vigilante anti-hero as Marvel, you know, is a, is a master of. DC is, is learning to stick to their thing, which is fantasy, fantastical, you know, madness, which is... Uh, which is really, really cool to see. I mean, in fact, with Marvel, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is the most fantastical they've kind of gone, and Thor, and, you know, they've got some DC aspects to them in a certain way. But I hate to compare the two because they're two entirely different entities who both deserve to be doing their own thing and prospering while do it. So all you fanboys out there, especially ones I've been hearing so much lately getting down on the Suicide Squad movie coming out there, just screw off because I'm tired of the bias. I'm tired of the the lack of respect for everyone's art and everyone's enjoyment, you know? It doesn't matter how ridiculous I think bronyism may be. I support it fully wholeheartedly because that's their right. That's what they love. How, who am I to tell anyone they can't have what makes them passionate because, you know, screw anyone who tries to take away anything I'm passionate about, of course. So uh, that's my thoughts on that. It's good times. So, Lone Star, now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. Oh, Spaceballs 2, huh? Mel Brooks talking some shit. See, I get worried when I hear guys like Mel Brooks at their age talking about shit like this because I cannot possibly see Mel Brooks, as genius as he is, coming up with something that is going to possibly be able to coming up with enough that is going to be able to sustain a movie for today's audiences in that kind of humor that kind of humor does not really go down anymore i mean you kind of it kind of died out with the scary movies you know and the whole wayans thing so not to take away anything from brooks and his legacy of a career in life but at that age you're kind of done i don't care who you are doing what you're doing i mean it's just not going to connect. I mean, do you think he's even, like, seen a sci-fi movie in the past 20 years? I mean, I don't even know. So, I mean, it truly would be that, I think. I think Spaceballs 2 would, in fact, be the search for more money. And, uh, you know, I think it'd be funniest if Mel Brooks just admitted it and went ahead and did it that way. But, uh, you know, who knows? And, of course, we'll see what happens. I'll call for your attack squad, sir. No, 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 we can't go in there. Yogurt has the Schwartz. It's far too powerful. But, sir, your ring. Don't you have the Schwartz, too? No, he got the upside. I got the downside. See, there's two sides to every Schwartz. Okay, a few last tidbits for the evening. Uh, our good friends over at Human Comics, Gabe, Ryan Merrill, Ryan Merrill, and Gabe Smith, uh, they are the creators of Human. It's an amazing, amazing cyberbunk. Cyberbunk? Cyberbunk. Cyberbunk. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's hope that we never ever end up smoking anything like that. I'd hate to end up smoking some cyberpunk. But it is a cyberpunk comic book that is uh it's very fun. It's very entertaining. And uh, there's going to be more coming out and more stuff from them, more Kickstarters, more issues, more content, more awesomeness. If you'd like to go check out Human number one and two, you can go do that over at humancomics.com. And, of course, from our past few episodes, the Kickstarters are still rolling for Mr. Dirk Manning and Mr. Sean Daly. They are both well past or almost at their fourth stretch goals. Fourth level tier stretch goals. That's absolutely fucking insane. Friday the 13th last week, Dirk Manning managed to reach $13,000. Praise Cthulhu on that one, kids. So uh, Dirk Manning's Kickstarter is for Tales of Mystery Carmageddon. Go check that out. And Sean Daly's is for Terra Quill, The Collected. So please go there. Support. Support all your fine local artists. So uh, that's about all I got going on in my brain this week. I can only fit so much in my brain from week to week due to the insane amounts of smoke swirling around inside my cranium between my ears from side to side. Uh, uh. But uh, we'll be coming back at you with lots of more fun stuff. Remember that March 20th, 21st, 22nd, we've got the Toronto Comic-Con going down at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. Also, Saturday evening, I'll be attending Hollywood Babylon's 200th episode with Mr. Kevin Smith and Mr. Ralph Garman. Both very, very exciting events happening that weekend. I can't wait. I'll be coming back to you with reviews and stories of both and probably lots of interviews with lots of the cool, cool people who are going to be down there at Toronto Comic-Con. So I hope you're there too. If you are, look for me. I'll be the guy who's got kind of a cloud. A cloud. A cloud surrounding and bellowing him as he wanders through the car. Now, I'll be the guy who looks stoned as fuck, basically. Um, and, uh, yeah, come on over, say hi. But we'll be talking to you before that week goes down. But as for this week, that is all we are going to have on an elegant weapon. Take it easy.